So we're hoping today to um, talk about diet culture, a lot of different things within that, um, how we can you know, better show up for ourselves and our health. And I'm so, so happy to have Nicole Jolliffe here with me today. So I'm going to take a few seconds to just um, introduce myself and then introduce Nicole and then we'll get going. Uh, I appreciate all interactions and all engagement. Oh, hey, Liz. Perfect timing. Um, that's Hi. great. Yeah. Take a look at the chat and, you know, have a have a gander and um, yeah, just just right away, whatever, whatever comes to your mind, if we're like, if you know, if we're talking about something that's like really amazing and you want to chime in, go for it. Um, and then we'll also have space for questions at the end. So, so happy to have you. Excellent. Hello, oh, Gail. Hello, Liz. <laughs> we have some fans. All right. So for everyone who doesn't know me, uh, my name is Erin Edwards. I actually come from Bjorn, Newfoundland. So Nicole and I are uh, fellow Newfoundlanders. Uh, now I live in Toronto and I offer online mindfulness services and energy medicine on a global scale. I come from a long line of ancestors of uh, Irish and English, farmers, uh, fishers, miners, people who did a lot of labor. And, um, you know, it, in my own life, I think the labor that I have chosen to take on is amplifying voices. And I am so happy that I'm in this realm and I'm in this health uh, and wellness realm as well. You know, every day I wake up and I ask myself this question, what makes me feel alive? What makes me feel inspired? And the answer is always connecting with other folks who have aligned themselves with their own healing ability. And I, I really want to just let that sit for a second and let that settle in. Align yourself with your own healing ability. Now, what does that mean? It, you know, can mean so many different things. And I think medicine as a as a broad spectrum um, has a lot to offer us. And when we find our own medicine and what really works, it's amazing. And, and that only speaks to the individuality of, of our medicine and um, how we can really you know, connect with folks on that level. And saying that um, also, you know, don't rely on just one practitioner for your healthcare needs. I think it's important to have a support team. And I think it's really important as a, as somebody that's navigating through the system, maybe you know doing your own work to um, to dismantle the current you know patriarchal disempowering system, broken system that we're in right now. Um, it's really important to have your support network there with you um, and cheering you on and, and helping you out as you kind of go through the ups and downs of life. So um, reawaken. Uh, is happy to to be that you know be at least one part of that for you, and inspiring insights kind of was born out of that mission and out of that my own value for for that um, for the world. So I'm really happy to share with you all. Now, uh, like I said, use the chat box to your liking. Uh, we're happy to answer questions as we go along, and today. We are featuring Nicole Jolliffe. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and it's nice to connect uh, and, and somewhat reconnect. Nicole and I actually didn't necessarily know each other, uh, which is weird, <laughs> which is weird for newfies. Yeah, <laughs> but, especially but of course. sports and just keep, like you were in kines and everything, but we, yeah. we have 
similar friends and connections. If we're Newfoundlanders, so of course we do. <laughs> yeah, friends of friends, of course. It's yeah. only necessarily one degree of separation, if any. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, Nicole, you are a nutritionist, um, and you're also an owner of an online private nutrition practice. Um, it's also a consulting business that uh, is currently based in Calgary, Alberta. Okay. So, Nicole, you also help your clients create a healthy, balanced, and supportive lifestyle that will last. And Nicole, I really like this in your bio because you said uh, that you believe in a practical and achievable approach that empowers your clients to learn new food skills, new habits, and new confidence in their day-to-day -day life. And that's really, really um, valuable and, and important work. So thank you for doing that. Um, your mission is to spark an endless amount of motivation, inspiration, and positive change in the lives of everyone that you meet so that's that's a beautiful bio and you know very succinct but like with lots of heart and i, and I really appreciate that <laughs> absolutely <laughs> oh my goodness um where can we begin nicole i'm interested maybe and and for the audience as well tell us you know how you how you made it to where you are right now how you got into nutrition how you're interested and um, a little bit about your background i mean you could go back so far with this one, but when, whenever I get asked this question or whenever you have to write it or, or just think about whatever led you down this path, for me, I feel like it always began at a really young age. I, I was really involved in sports, heavily involved in community groups, grew up in Outport, Newfoundland, um, where a lot of people, like everyone knows everyone. There is a big sense of community, but I always found myself gravitating more towards positions uh, where I was helping others or leading or just providing support. Um, mm. And then with a very strong sports background, I played volleyball and went on to play for Memorial University. I feel like nutrition, lifestyle, exercise, it was a really big part of, of just my childhood growing up. Not necessarily that I would know what I was doing, but <laughs> you know, I was interested in that. So when I went to Memorial, I started actually in biology, thought I wanted to just be in you know, a straight med school. But then as I began to learn more and interact and have experiences with people, I was just way more drawn to the nutrition side of things. So I did biochemistry with that focus in nutrition at Memorial. And I actually took a gap year after I graduated. I'm, I'm notorious, Nicole. I do not follow a typical path. If my, my, my parents see this, they're going to just do a classic eye roll. But I always just take a different step, took a, a gap year, worked in a lifestyle center. And I feel like this is where everything really ex like exploded for me because it was working with the people, um, interacting, listening to people's barriers, listening to their struggles, um, being a part of their lives and literally, you know, being implemented into their life daily. They would see me a few times a week. Um, I worked at Empowering You Lifestyle Center in St. John's still to this day and connected with the owner. She's fantastic. But that inspired me to apply and go to Acadia. So then I went to Acadia University, did nutrition dietetics, um, learned a lot at Acadia University, loved their style of learning. I mm -hmm. think I always say that it's where I truly began to learn that nutrition is far beyond food. Uh, it's mm. far beyond what we eat on a daily basis. There's so many other factors that affect our well-being and our health. Um, and then after that, also took a different route. I decided not to do an internship, not to become a registered dietitian in that sense, but then went on to do graduate work 
in sports nutrition. Um, to kind of follow through with both sides. Uh, so I did that, uh, the sports nutrition degree through the International Olympic Committee so that I could still give back to my athletic community. I coached university sports after I left Memorial. Um, so, and still to this day with my business here in Calgary, I work worked with the UC Dino volleyball team. I work with their feeder club program, predominantly with young female athletes to help be a positive role model, but more importantly, teach young women and young female athletes the just the importance of well-being at a really young age and what that looks like especially in something as demanding as sport um so i kind of followed through all that but the main bottom line answer to my question what brought me to where i am today and i in september <laughs> class with me i'm going to continue with more education and i'll start uh in the naturopathic medical program in toronto so just always continuing to grow. And I feel like every step I take is truly inspired by the people I meet, the people I work with, uh, and my patients and my clients. Every time I see a gap, uh, every time I see a consistent barrier or some form of education that just needs to be the truth, really, that just needs to be spoken and heard, it just gives me this constant curiosity and desire to just keep discovering where my place really is, which is kind of what led me to where I am really now. And I truly think it's for my most of my clients and patients, it's sometimes why the experience and relating and being able to relate to people um, can happen a lot easier because it's not just, I did this, got the certification, these are the guidelines I follow. Because um, it's like you just said, it's it's about your life. It's unique to you. It's, it's not mm -hmm. about you know, following the top 10 latest trends or rules of what's going to make your life optimal. It's about getting to know you. What's going to work for you? What does your life look like? What are your barriers? And also helping people create the skills to master that in their own lives. So that's mm -hmm. like the very long-winded answer, I guess, <laughs> of uh, how I kind of got where I am today and how I'll probably just keep on rolling. Catch me in 15 years and I'll probably... <laughs> Just speaking, I'll probably be enrolled in something else, but uh, I feel like it all builds on top of one another, but yeah, it's yeah. Like constant evolution, you know? Yeah, for sure. And thanks for highlighting that because, you know, it's, it is lifelong learning. Uh, I think we are lifelong learners. And when we're, um, that's when, you know, dis-ease starts to catch up with us, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps, or vice versa, maybe, you know, we are... Um, in a state of dis-ease and then we we start to realize that we have to slow down a bit and start to realize like what you said you need to really connect back with your body uh, with your psyche with your energy you know with all those subtle bodies that exist around you with your mental health with your spiritual health there's so much more than just what's on your plate in terms of nutrition and health yes 100 percent. couldn't have that was very that was very beautifully put. I feel like I'm going to tomorrow now when I speak to my my patients. I'm going to be like, I was speaking to, to my friend Aaron last night. And just to this. Because that's another thing. Every day that I speak to someone else, I'm like, well, just listen to the experience I encountered I had yesterday and, and listen to this perspective. And it only helps us reconnect with our center mm -hmm. and whatever that is, whatever is going to allow us to move through the day with the least amount of resistance and ease so that we can continue to replicate that joy and replicate those good feelings 
that is what well-being and health is about being able to replicate that um regardless of of what type of environment or what life throws at you which i mean you know that's a long that's a lifelong journey that will never yeah. end, so for sure yeah and it, you mentioned something really important as well that i just want to highlight that you know that rapport that you have mm -hmm. with that you are able to develop with your patients and your clients you know that that's something that really goes so much further mm -hmm. than just you coming into the clinic saying like, oh, hello, patient X, Y, Z, you know, you have this wrong with you, eat this food, it's supposed to be good for you. Like that's, that's a magic pill solution. That's like not how it's supposed to happen. Yeah. Like it's not, it doesn't work like that. And mm -hmm. for so long, I think within our history, looking back, uh, and I hope you learn, you know, you'll learn more about this in naturopathic medicine as you go as well. But, um, you know, looking back at our history, we really have to to be aware that people weren't aware uh, of a lot of different things that were happening. Um, case in point, you know, like, I, I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago when we were chatting, but like, I read an old newspaper clipping and like cigarette smoking is like, you know, hailed as like the next best thing, like the next best diet, Yeah. right? Um, so it's like really interesting. I I'm wondering your thoughts on, on that kind of history of nutrition and you know since you have a background in that in dietetics i was uh you know yeah do you have any questions on like how it kind of comes back around you know history repeats itself or are we just like totally unveiling a new realm of of eating paradigms well like anything our education our technology our ability to discover more um obviously has grown over the last mm -hmm. century or so, like that's a given. Um, but when you look at the general trends, some still stick around, um, but they do jump quite a bit. When we were chatting about this, we were chatting with the newspaper clippings and I just decided to dive in a little more and look and it's uh, it, it was alarming because I thought, okay, when has the nutrition industry, when did it become the diet industry? And then yes. my next thought was, okay, when was it ever not the diet industry? Mm -hmm. was there ever really a nutrition industry have are we even there or will we ever get there because i mean mm. diets right back as early as the 1800s and they may not been more you know placed emphasis on weight which is what we see now but it was placed on a cure for something whether it's a cure for alcoholism or a cure for sexual lust like that was a diet do this and mm -hmm. your plus will decrease like it was all about do this get that and it's still very much the same now you know hundreds of years later so yeah the mm. trends i mean most people that are listening here uh you probably nod your head like yep remember this one yep remember that one there was like <laughs> that classic grapefruit diet eat grapefruit for you know the grapefruit burns fat and then from that there were all the little things that you can buy, uh, especially in the eighties, like eat this and then you won't feel hungry, suppress your appetite. And then, yeah. you know, we all remember, we were quite young, but in the nineties, you know, my mom could attest to this. It was no fat everywhere. Like don't eat fat, buy fat free everything. That's all you saw in the grocery store. That's all you saw marketed. Mm. And then switch 10 years later into the two thousands and it was, the complete opposite. Now it's like 
fat galore, eat your protein, carbs are the enemy. So I'm just thinking like, imagine growing up through that, being like, what is happening? And it's still happening to this day because I'll speak to people and the first question they say is, so tell me what's right and what's wrong because we've got this, we've got that, the completely opposite. One says this, one says that, and they're so right. You know, within the last 10 years, I think what you'll see more and you're gonna nod to this too, is the extreme dieting, meaning extreme restriction and removing something. This is now we're into paleo, keto, the whole 30, gluten-free. Um, that's another big one. Um, you know, remove this entire food group. Intermittent fasting is another popular one. All forms of restrictive dieting, all food rules, right? They focus around remove this, remove that, and they more so really generalize it to an entire population when, you know, we, the people who originally ate gluten-free because they have celiac disease, you know? The keto diet was used as a medical therapy diet, but now it's to the general population. So we just drop, we hop on these trends and it's so mm -hmm. confusing. They're also backwards, but at the end of the day, they have all the same message. And this is what I always say, you know, let's put them all up there. What's the, the same message in all of them. It's restricted. It's mm -hmm. restrictive. It's less. Eat less of this. Eat less of that. Eat less in general. Remove this. Cut that. You know, bad. Always the word, this is bad for you. This is the enemy. This will cause this. This will cause that. That's the general messaging that you're hearing in diet culture today. And it's still very, very prominent um, out there, especially now as we're moving into intolerances and sensitivities in the diet, right? And people are trying to move towards how they feel and how food makes them feel, but still approaching it in a very restrictive manner. Because although people want to focus on how they feel, it comes back to one thing every single time. Weight. It, it's just weight. You know, people enter it with good intentions, but then as they start to feel good, I feel good, but the scale isn't moving. I feel better, but... I've gained weight. Um, and it's always coming back to that underlining that, that play. So then they start to feel good in a certain type of pattern of eating that's suitable and sustainable for them, but they're not getting the weight results they want. And what's the very first thing they do? I need to restrict more. I need to cut more. I need to exercise more. General patterns that we see every single day. So Ugh. coming back around I mean, how we're still going, <laughs> we're still going yeah. right? Um, then add in just the power of technology. Technology has changed, has been game changing um, yeah. for the diet industry. In you know, it's been a great platform for entrepreneurs, small businesses, but it's also a very toxic platform um, that I think the diet industry has just jumped on and they're just soaring through, right? So, yeah, like, you know, are you referring, <laughs> sorry, Nicole, are you referring to like social media or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, definitely yeah. anything. Um, you know, it's very easy. What we'll see. I mean, this was always happening before, but now with social media and people having very quick access to, um, to share thoughts, opinions, which I think is great. I really do think that is great. You know, you mm -hmm. can use social media as a positive tool, um, definitely to find community and motivation, but. You know, anyone who has been through any form of a health journey 
now is all, all of a sudden an expert in that category without any type of certifications, training, mm-hmm. anything. They're like, well, I did this. So now I'm certified to help others do this. Yeah. That's the I internet. I must see that too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even within, within Canada. So naturopathic medicine is, you know, um, legislation is different throughout each province. Mm-hmm. So back in Newfoundland, I'll use this as an example. Right. Um, the legislation actually doesn't necessarily say anything about naturopathic medicine. So they're not necessarily part of, uh, you know, the primary healthcare physicians, and they're also not illegal per se. So um, naturopaths in Newfoundland practice illegally, which means like they're just, you know, they're there. You can you can go see them, but you can also go see someone who calls themselves a naturopath who isn't, um, you know, who who is a naturopath. Maybe they took like a, another course or yeah. some other thing, uh, but they're not trained in the like standardized way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's yeah that I think is a huge problem in terms of how the public the general public can understand like what naturopathic medicine is in general and um, you know there's I mean even in terms of nutrition and dietitian what is that I don't know maybe you can shed some more light on even no, the difference between those absolutely so of course we see a lot of there is now um, I think there's a lot to be said about many different. Um, career paths and options um, for nutrition and health. There is your registered dietitians who are licensed uh, practitioners who, you know, insurance can be billed. You can see them through your healthcare. You Mm -hmm. do have certified holistic nutritionists as well who have done certifiable programs um, that wouldn't necessarily maybe deal as much in chronic disease management or things that you would see more on the clinical level. Um, But also... I mean, this is for another podcast, but our healthcare system is extremely exhausted. So, you know, I think it's important to have more professionals within the dimensions of healthcare that can help people with sustainable, practical eating without having to wait six to eight months to get in to see someone for an hour, right? Because like, that's, that's what we're dealing with here, which why some dietitians will go privatized. Yeah. Or, you know, exactly. in general. But yes, no, you will see an RD next to people's names. That's the registered dietitian. They've done the uh, internship after the degree that I have done. Um, and then they can, they either work in a clinical setting or private um, as well. So it's, although they did the same program as me, I went on and did a different path. So I do not have the RD next to my name. So I yes. more work in like a uh, nutrition coach, I guess, is the legal you know, nutrition coach, wellness coach, health consultant um, area. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it can be so confusing for someone who's, you know, just uh, in terms of um, accessibility needs, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to get uh, covered and coverage under insurance or like, you know, free healthcare, which, you know, federally Canada gives, um, through some systems that we have. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's interesting that, and like you said, our healthcare system is quite exhausted. And so this, I think this is why um, the prevalence of all these like um, other folks who don't work within that system are popping up because it's, there's a need for it. There's more and more need for it. There, There is, you know, um, 
um, one of my clients who I work with quite frequently have this conversation all the time. And one thing is that there are, there's so much out there, but at the end of the day, all I want to help people do is create sustainable, practical lives that work for them to mm -hmm. stop, to allow people to recognize and to come to peace with that they not have to fit their life into a cookie cutter framework in order to live optimally. To even sit there and just to assure people, a lot of people are doing so many positive things in their day, um, but just have developed habits and behavior and don't have the support system to be able to create change or create new habits and behavior. And I think that's where the need and the demand is. Many people know, you know, you can enter into the grocery store. These are whole foods. These are processed foods. So many people can identify that. Um, but, you know, coming down to, there's a big difference between knowing and then taking action on that knowledge. And that gap, that knowledge to action gap is so incredibly large, Erin. So large. And people require you require help, you require support, you require someone to be in your corner. You know, my favorite thing is half the time I'm working with someone and they'll be like, this is my struggle this week. And I'll say something really simple. And I'll be like, well, you know, let's try, have you tried to maybe grab this on the way or sub this, or maybe set an alarm for this. And all of a sudden they're like, why didn't I think of that? That's that makes so much sense. That's so practical. Mm -hmm. hey, that. Why didn't I think of that one, you know, simple way around my barrier, which has been holding me back for the last week since I last spoke to you. So it's, which I think is where the diet culture comes in, right? Yeah. Diet culture influences us everywhere we go. It influences on social media, in the grocery stores, um, from our friends who and our family who have gone through their own health experiences. Well, I did this and this was my result. So you should do this. You know, people get that all the time when in reality, we are not a one size fits all. We are all very yeah. unique. We're all very different. We all live very different lives. We all manage stress very differently. Uh, and what works for you and keeps you happy and thriving may be completely different for me. And people need to recognize that number one, that's okay. And number two, that's definitely not less. Less is not more. Mm -hmm. It is not more. It is not as simple as eat less, move more, live well. It, that is not the equation. That's not the equation. Not the equation. Very, I would, you know, it's out there and many people Many people, even after you spend time working, it takes people time to wrap their head around that. Yeah. And they'll always say that. They're like, I hear you. I hear you, Nicole. I know it's going to take time. Like, I hear you. I know. But it still <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. And I was like, it's okay. I empathize. I hear you. The, the backwards message, backwards diet culture is everywhere. So yeah. it's okay if this is going to take time. It's okay. Just every time you catch yourself in those moments, think eat less, move more, necessarily equal, live well. Oh, can I get an amen for that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. You brought up so many points. I, I, 
Oh, there's so many. But um, maybe, and I want just want to circle back around to this, um, is the less is more perspective um, in terms of, you know, restriction and binging, um, which happens so frequently when anyone is told to restrict, yeah. right? We yeah. go overboard on the other, the other way. Yeah. We swing that way all of a sudden. And yeah. um, so how, you know, how can someone really... I guess, mitigate that and like really just like find a little bit more balance in their life. Well, I, you're so right. It's this vicious cycle. And the very first thing that I say to people, this is not about willpower. This mm -hmm. is not about, oh, I'm just not capable of controlling it. Or, you know, some people just have so much more motivation. This has nothing to do with you. This is not your fault. There are, your body is built to survive. <laughs> you have physiological drives in your body that keep you alive. And your body hates to lose weight. Your body hates to be in restriction. Um, it, honestly, it will see it as something it needs to correct. So you're right. What happens? Well, so often I will see the, uh, the restrictive nature or the classic let's follow this restrictive type of pattern of eating Monday to Friday which leads to overconsumption on the weekend either with higher amounts of cravings for the salt the sugar or all the foods that we love which normally tend to be carbohydrates because the carbohydrates are delicious uh, and it and it's quick accessible energy um, so what will lead us to that drive and that physiological, uh, physiological drive for hunger on the weekend. And then we overeat, then comes emotional shame. It could even lead to binging and that emotional turmoil. We shame ourselves. We say, I'm going to start again on Monday. Okay. Monday, I'm back on track. Classic line that you hear. And then we go restriction, overeating, shame, restriction, overeating, shame. And, you know, when people, there's definitely people who are going to listen to this, be like, yep, yep, that's totally me, totally get it. I've been there, absolutely, 100%. Yes. What, so people are like, okay, so then what's next? And then I always say, so what if, what if we start to create more of a balanced, sustainable approach throughout the day that makes, that gives you energy throughout the day? that makes you feel full and gives you satisfaction and satiety that will leave you feeling full at the end of the day that will let you allow to go to sleep with ease. And when you wake up in the morning, you know, the first thing that you'll want to do is just get started with your day and you'll feel that hunger and just want to fuel and get started for your day. And people are like, Oh, well, that sounds great. I'm like great. <laughs> it's called regular balanced eating regular balanced eating. It's about telling yourself there's no such thing as bad foods. There's no such thing as good foods. There are fuel foods and joy foods. That is it. Your fuel foods are the foods that provide us with nutrients, minerals, energy, everything that your body needs to function, to digest your food, to keep your heart beating, to allow us to live our lives and age and enjoy. And then the second is our joy foods. Don't got a whole lot in them, but we like them. They're delicious. They're a part of our culture. It's how we socially gather. They play an important role in our experiences in our life, and they play a role in our life too. And let's have both, because when we remove joy, what do you have left? 
rocket fuel. <laughs> right? When you completely remove joy and tell yourself that joy is bad, so all joy yeah. foods are bad, what, what do you have left that allows you to create and sustain your habits while not while feeling positive while feeling like this is a sustainable life while not being miserable or you know feeling or stress or anxiety around social situations how yes. many how often do i hear people oh i'm going out for dinner or i have this party and i'm really anxious and stressed because there's going to be pizza and i'm like okay right am i allowed to eat pizza like what do i do 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 i just eat the salad what happens here right? It's about shifting that perspective on our food. I had a really great conversation. I had so many great conversations with patients today, but I had a really great conversation today um, about someone, the, their birthday is coming up. Mm. And it was, you know, okay, I'm going to be really good this week because my birthday is on the weekend and I want to have steak and salad. Uh, sorry, I want to have steak and I'm probably going to have some pizza and I'm going to have to go out in the yard and have a fire with my family. And I was like, oh, that all sounds fantastic. But, and he's like, I don't want to go crazy is what it was. I don't want to overeat. I want to, you know, stay within my fuel. And I said, okay, but what if we switched our perspective on that? And what instead of already psychologically looking at Friday as a failure, we look at it as a point of celebration and a time to sit down and slow down and enjoy every single piece of that steak, every single piece of that cake that you're going to have and enjoy it and, you know, be there and present in that moment and enjoy that moment with your family. And especially during a time like this, and I was like, what do you think you would do if you did that? He's like, oh, that sounds fantastic. And I know I would probably eat less just in general, like, because I'm just like enjoying that process. I'm like, yeah. So now it doesn't have to be about managing your portions. It doesn't have to be about managing the type of food you're, you're going to eat. The only thing I want you to focus on is your experience with food and enjoying that process. People mm. like that shift in perspective, but that's backwards. That's not yeah. what diet culture says. Right. Diet culture says you need to restrict all week. So you earn that dinner on Friday, or you better get out in the morning and run 10 K so you can earn that piece of birthday cake. Mm-hmm. So backwards. Especially for athletes. Right? So yeah. backwards. You don't have mm -hmm. to earn your food. You can enjoy your food. You can balance your food. You can learn to know when you're hungry versus full and honor that intuitively. And that itself, I promise you, I always say that itself, it will lead you to more sustainable patterns. No one likes to feel crappy. We all know, I was saying today, we all know, like, I, I will eat some McDonald's. I love it. But I do <laughs> not feel good after I eat McDonald's. So will I eat McDonald's every day? Probably not. It makes me feel like crap. Will I need yeah. McDonald's ever again? Yes, of course I will. So when we start to take that step back and shift our perspective and relationship with food and our health, we begin to engage in more patterns that make us feel good. And what makes yes. you feel good? Like what types of food make you feel good, Erin? When do you feel your best? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you asked. <laughs> right? Uh, well, often I find that I, um, you know, and I'm saying this because, like uh, with the acknowledgement that I have 
always been skinny. I have never struggled with weight. Um, but I find that sometimes I think I'm hungry, but I'm just bored. Also times I think I'm hungry and I'm actually really thirsty. Yes. And I just haven't drank water all day long. And I'm like, oh, I don't need any more. Like I'll actually eat something. I'll be like, oh my God, I can't eat. Like yeah. it doesn't taste like I, I don't even taste it because all I want is water. My mouth is like not satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so interesting. There's it, what you're, what you're saying is, you know, there's, we've applied and maybe not us particularly, but the societal um, notion in general, you know, big box stores, big industry, diet culture has applied morality to food. And that is harmful. It's harmful in so many different ways. And also you brought up the point of convenience, right? McDonald's is there. It's going to be there. It's always probably going to be there, which is shitty, but that's another thing, <laughs> you know? So like, how can we be more mindful when we're eating to know that maybe we are full already, mm -hmm. you know, like in terms of like, I've been reading a lot of mindfulness research and mindful eating specifically, they don't ever say, you know, like you'll eat less because you're more mindful or you, you don't have to watch your portions because you're more mindful, but that's really what it's saying. But the research, most of it is, is actually saying that uh, when you eat mindfully, when you don't eat with, you know, a TV screen in front of you or your, your phone in front of you or whatever, your laptop, um, people actually stop eating when they're 80% full. Mm -hmm. And so we, we don't necessarily need to go to 100% full or even further than that you know, because there's more food on our plate or we think we're still hungry mm -hmm. uh, when you're sitting mindfully and you're connected with your body, mm -hmm. uh, which can be really hard for a lot of folks. And I want to acknowledge that too. But, you know, when you're sitting and being connected, uh, and this is a process and it's a practice, you start to realize that the food that you're intaking, all that nutrition that you're taking, whatever it is, maybe it is a McDonald's meal, but you actually maybe won't eat the full meal because you're already full at some point. Yes. No, absolutely. And I, I, I like how you said, like, it's, it's really like anything we're talking about here. It's not as simple as how it sounds, right? You know, mm -hmm. implementing regular balanced eating patterns is really hard for some people for many different reasons. We all experience so many different barriers. Uh, and then it's not just about, you know, slowing down, enjoying and becoming mindful with your meals, your snacks, your foods throughout the day. It also plays a role in, okay, what's making up the food we're eating? How is it making mm -hmm. us feel? Is it making up, is it providing satiation or are we eating it? And then, you know, 20 minutes later, we feel hungry again. So what does yes. that look like for us? And, you know, there's so many steps and everyone is so unique. You know, that's a whole other thing to get into what makes up our food, the types of things that allow us to feel satiated and energized versus things that may, you know, bring us through the highs and lows of energy crashes throughout the day. Yeah. It's so much more than just, you know, it, it's, yes, it's regular balanced eating. Yes, it's habits and patterns. You know, it's definitely not restricting. Um, it's more so fueling more. I always say, I, I, I swear, 80% of the people I work with, whether it's in health or weight management, the first thing I was like, okay, well, step one, we have to eat more. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Step one, 
let's work on increasing the density and bringing our fuel up. And everyone's mm. just like, what? It's backwards. Sounds backwards. Sounds backwards, right? right? So, but let's break it down for a second. So your body, my body, we all have what's called a resting metabolic rate. This is the metabolic rate of how much energy or calories, however you want to define it or whatever any is, that we require daily just for basic function. We require energy. That's what keeps us going. We all have a certain amount daily that meets our basic needs. You know, that's impacted by weight, height, level of activity, age, and hormones. Our different levels of hormones can affect our metabolism. Mm -hmm. But what people don't realize is by following a restrictive pattern and placing yourself in that huge deficit and not meeting the basic needs of your body, you're actually forcing your body to go backwards. Your body has no choice but to slow down. Your body has no choice to, you know, make do with what it's getting and, and slow that down in order to provide you with what you need to get by. And, and these large deficits and restrictive types diets, you know, they'll promote deficits that are so large and people always nod at this one, you know, raise your hand or, you know, even respond on the questions if you've entered into a typical diet for so long and it started with a headache, fatigue, uh, fluctuates in, in your mood, inability to regulate your body temperature, irregular sleep patterns, nutrient deficiencies, you had no idea that was happening, and just like hungry all the time. Like I'm miserable, but this must mean that it's working, you know, like totally backwards because your body is just like, we can't function. And then we sustain that pattern. Yes, weight loss happens or, you know, may happen quickly at first, then it plateaus and everyone's like, oh, now what do I do? I must have to eat less than what I was doing before. And then people either end up, you know, staying where they are, ending up with other health implications because of it, or they experience weight gain because their body's just trying to survive. It's the complete backwards. Don't eat less, eat more, eat mm -hmm. more fuel, eat things that make you feel full and energized and cause the least amount of, you know, resistance in your digestive system. Um, but yeah. all of that information, like people will nod with you. And then when you're like, okay, let's practice it. They're like, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm like, okay, that's it's okay. Let's start, let's start with breakfast. Like, let's start there. Right. Mm -hmm. The gap between, and I think this is a, a real issue and you spoke to it earlier between theory, between knowledge and between actual practice. So praxis, you know, when we yep. put those two together, praxis, um, that that is virtually non-existent, right? We love to sit down, we love to read, we love to learn, we love to listen to podcasts and, you know, show up at Inspiring Insights every Wednesday <laughs> and everything else. And, and when it comes to actually putting it into practice, it's really difficult. Okay. Um, and, you know, practice in general is super, hard to do because it's more of a discipline and we live in the age of convenience we want it now we want it yesterday right yeah i think about things and i already want it you know it's from amazon prime i it should be in my hand right now yeah. <laughs> um and so it's it's really difficult to to go out there and and fail you know we want to we want to win right away yeah. um and that's so big and like you said it's something that the that the industry really tells us, which is upsetting. And it doesn't encourage us when we do fail. Oh. So uh, 
you know, we're coming up on question time. Um, but I do have one more question and it might be big, it might be small, who knows? <laughs> uh, but ge more general thoughts, Nicole, on your, um, on, on your thoughts on, you know, grocery stores, how they're set up, uh, and maybe how big companies kind of like owning all, a lot of different brands and how we don't realize that it's actually just like an oligopoly, you know, just like one big company owning all of it. Um, what can we do about that in terms of our uh, nutrition and, you know, how can we kind of like as um, budding activists, you know, try to like slowly break away at those notions? Well, you know, the best, the grocery store thing is quite funny. When you start to think about the layout of the grocery store, I talk about obstacles and barriers. Talk about mm -hmm. the obstacles and barriers in a grocery store. So many, how they literally set up grocery stores. Yes. And they depend, they depend on your spontaneous visual influence of like, how many times do you go to the grocery store being like, okay, got my basket I'm here to pick up milk, eggs, bread. And then <laughs> by the time you're like two things, something under the neck, trying to get one thing off as you're me, the grocery yes. store gets me. And my, my partner will say this all the time. Convenience stores get him all the time. He goes in to do one mm -hmm. thing and comes out with two bags. I was like, how? Like yeah, it's yeah. just how everything is set up to entice you. Um, it, it's very much so influential. If you notice where a lot of the whole foods exist in the grocery store, you'll probably heard this before. Everything is very perimeter based. You'll see a lot of the whole foods perimeter based, but their strategy to even how they place those. Um, mm -hmm. And most people, you know, think don't go down the aisles. There's nothing good down the aisles. When in reality, that's not necessarily true. They're just setting you up in a certain way to shop and then slowly causing you to go deeper into the store where then there'll be so many things that are in your way that you're like, ooh, ooh. I just always say like, ooh, a piece of candy. Ooh, a piece of candy. Like, ooh, yes. my, ooh look at this. Um, it's, it's very, very, very challenging. And how can we to take a step back from the big corporations and every, my gosh, do they jump on all the fad diet culture. They capitalize on it for sure. The best way and the simplest way I can put it is think about how processed your food is. And that's the strategy to go with. And when we think about that, I'm not just talking about like chips or like highly processed different types of foods. Just think about the chain that it goes through. Okay, what is coming from the ground? What can be picked from a tree? And if you have access to it, can you buy it local? Do you have a farmer's market near you? Do you have, um, or when you are in the grocery store, is there possible for you to look at things that have been sourced in our own country? Is that a possible? Can we put back in to our local farming and our uh, buy local as much as possible? Not always possible for everybody. Most people mm -hmm. also have the notion that local is more expensive when in reality, buying produce from a, gro uh, from a grocery store sometimes is actually more expensive than grabbing it from the farmer's market. Um, because when you purchase, it's going directly to that farmer, directly to that producer. Uh, and then when you think about your processed foods along the way, even something as simple and fantastic as yogurts and Greek yogurts, still a form of processed foods, right? So how many processed foods do you have in a day-to-day? -day? What does that look like for you? Is it possible to create a balance of more whole foods than processed foods. 
And in that process, is there a way that you can access things more locally? That's the way that we can be mindful about that. That's how we can kind of slow down uh, and appreciate our own communities, what we have in this amazing country and in our provinces. We have access to so many great things. Um, I feel like that's the way we can be very mindful about the trickery of uh, definitely the big corp and the big food-based industry that's out there who are going to prey on you with the cheapest. I always say when things are super, super inexpensive, check the like really, really, really cheap or like their sales or they're blasted with all these logos, check the ingredients list. And it's probably like this long, <laughs> right? Yeah. Unfortunate because, you know, those things are often, you know, the, the cheaper items or the more affordable options are the ones that people go for. Even, you know, like buying a, a pack of water, which, uh, you know, water is a whole other thing. And like, I don't think we should have to pay for that, but is more expensive than buying like a a can like a pack of coca-cola um which is like so backwards to me another <laughs> another aspect of backwards how often yeah. can we say let's do that let's count how many times we say backwards when we talk about nutrition <laughs> <laughs> how right? many times did we say it already this is like Absolutely. hilarious right and and yeah I, and i empathize with that and i hear that and that's why it's also not a linear equation that's why well-being and health and nutrition goes beyond just food. And I say this mm -hmm. to so many different people because we all don't have privilege of going and shopping organic everything from everywhere mm -hmm. or going into the, the tiniest boutiques and buying $10 jams or what have you. We all aren't privileged in that era. We all don't have accessibility to that type of food. So what I say also is do the best you can for your given situation. Um, if you feel like oh, there's no way that you can afford all the produce and all those fresh colors, that's okay. Go frozen. At least those vegetables are still there. And even when you're there, you know, like do the best that you can. If you can find something from Canada, that's great. If not, you know, just pick up what you can to do the best that you can for your given situation. Um, and I always say that to people. And sometimes I, I can hear the sigh of relief over the phone, like, oh, I can't do this, or it's doing this, or I'm running out and it's going bad in my fridge, or it's only lasting a day and I just can't keep up. And I'm like, okay, well, how about we try to do, go to this aisle, pick up a frozen bag of vegetables, then we're going to go find this. And all we're going to do is add it, like literally five ingredients. They're like, oh, and, and that's okay. I'm like, yes, that's okay. They're like, well, I didn't think it would be okay because I'm going down the aisles. Yes. I was like, you can go down the aisles and still live a-okay. <laughs> you, you can go down the aisles. You oh, that, should, the that aisles. should be some sort of like backwards diet advertisement, like for the, for the good. <laughs> but it is we hard have to, the, right. Food is so pretty. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. It's, yeah, it's hard. Um, and we all do our best. So uh, Gail is actually asking a question here. You have the medical field, the naturopathic medicine field, and the diet industry always in competition. Do you even see there, oh, do you ever see um, if there will be a, more of a partnership with all three? Good. Great question. Great question. Um, one can hope. I do... <laughs> I feel like we're, we are moving in that direction. You will see so many more multidisciplinary clinics. I don't know what your experience is. I'm sure that's, you know, mm -hmm. that's 
your hope too of collaborating with all these different professionals. Um, but placing people under one roof in true collaboration, I think is also a different, totally different. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, Gail, that you feel that way because so many other people feel the same way too. They'll go to their nutritionist, they'll go to their physician, and then, the, and they're just getting all these mixed messages yes. this way or back. And sometimes there's no reason for it. You know, I've heard people be like, oh, don't do that. Like, oh, your doctor, doctors are never right. Or, oh, that, that's not true. Nutritionists, that she, they're just a nutritionist. Or, you know, oh, naturopaths, they don't even know what they're talking about. Like, okay. Yeah. That's not helping me. Like, that's not helping <laughs> me. When I think we all have something to offer. And every single practice and profession brings something very unique and different to the table. And like you were saying before, it is not, there's not just one magic answer. It, there's just not. And there's not enough time in the run of a day for one person to be able to infiltrate an individual's life, to help them in all the areas that they require support and all the areas that they need to be heard in. Yes, exactly. Yeah, in a, in a hopeful world, I mean, there are there are clinics that exist, uh, like Nicole mentioned. Like there's uh, even more so than you know just having like the names on the window of all these people that work there, but actually like physically um, getting together with other practitioners and yeah. and presenting yeah. a case and saying, okay, how can we all contribute to this? Which yeah. is magnificent and beautiful. It doesn't happen enough. Um, and, and really that is a, a more feminist, more patient-centered care um, approach that we should be getting to, that we need to be getting to in order for folks to really feel um, like they have that support network behind them without having to like drive across town 16 times to a different person every other week um, trying to figure out this, that, which is, you know, what I think the best is right now for a lot of folks. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, hopefully, and I mean, people who are watching out there, please, please, please tell me if this exists somewhere and what, how are you doing it? Because I'm super interested in, um, you know, integrating that type of care into uh, a spe specifically private care mm -hmm. uh, model, uh, but making it more accessible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that's a tough question, Gail. And yeah, you've highlighted something that's... Uh, I think on the minds of a lot of folks. And if, if it's on your mind and it's on, you know, our mind, it's on Nicole's mind, it's on <laughs> a lot of other nutritionists and other, you know, naturopaths, um, other people in the medical field. So uh, I think there's a, there's a want uh, there and it's important that we speak as loud as we can and ask these questions more and more so that we can actually like get somewhere with it and actually act and, and you know, do that praxis, apply the praxis. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and I think, I do think there's more collaborative health professionals um, mm -hmm. than we know, but like you said, they are, it is hard to find for sure. It's definitely mm -hmm. not just like the common, but hey, like anything, we are moving forward and these different types of careers, new different ways of approaching many different areas of health are popping up every year with more yes. and more people feeling more empowered in their life, more empowered with their health, which only leads to more empowered people also entering into the healthcare system to become professionals. So I, I, I have hope. I have a positive hope that we'll keep moving forward and the more people who actually want to collaborate and work together, it will only continue to grow. It will.
Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that, Nicole. Um, do we have any other questions? Uh, I know it's it's about an hour already. Where did the time go? What is time? Um, this is a, has been an incredible, incredible episode. This is episode 24 of the Inspiring Insights show. Uh, we're on to episode 25 next week. So this happens every Wednesday for folks that uh, have never joined us before. Um, and it is yours truly next week, just myself talking about energy medicine in the 21st century and how we can integrate um, you know, all of our space and boundary setting and, and energetic practices into our own physical space and our own physical um, setting where we were at, where we are at in time and in space. Um, so that, you know, this happens every Wednesday and I'm happy to have more folks on with us as we continue further down the road of collaboration. And um, Nicole Jolliffe, thank you so much for being here with thank us. Thank you for having me. It's been, uh, it's been great. It's, yeah, it's always incredible to have, you know, like I said at the beginning, people who really are, are setting uh, and paving the way for, for more and more folks to get inspired. Um, and with that, I actually wanted to just add before we go, I just put um, Nicole's website in the chat there um, for everyone listening. It's inspiredwithnicole.com. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. Any last words? Uh, no, yeah, you can check out the website, guys. There's tons of free resources on the website. So if you um, just go under, there's all kinds of uh, different guides, health books, all free. It's all there to help guide you in any area. So, yeah, just check them out. Great. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been a pleasure to uh, share you. this space with a, a kindred spirit. <laughs> you too. Pleasure as always. Can't wait to move <laughs> to Ontario so that we can collaborate more often. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to it. And thank you everyone for being here. Uh, wishing you well and wishing you all the inspiration and all the balance in your life. Have a good night.